Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are in Chapter 7 talking about meta theory of type systems and type theories. And right now we're talking about normalization. And the property of normalization is that there is some way of reducing your program expression to a normal form. In other words, to something that doesn't reduce anymore. There's some way. Now, it could happen if you're a normalizing program, there might be some other way of reducing it where things go crazy and it, it runs forever. And it's actually pretty easy to come up with little examples like this in pure lambda calculus. So uh, termination, though, is the property that every way of executing your program is going to reach a normal form. There's no way that you could accidentally sort of make some bad choices as you pick um, which computation step should happen next. Of course, you know, we're talking about a situation where there's non-determinism, where you might be able to do this or that. And, you know, you say, oh, really? You guys do? I didn't realize you guys did uh, sort of like, you know, concurrent programming or something like that in the setting. Well, that'd be cool. Mostly the answer to that is no, I don't think we really mostly do too much of that in type theory at this point, unfortunately. But uh, it's not that kind of non-determinism. It's non-determinism arising from different uh, different reduction strategies you might apply for reducing terms in lambda calculus. Reduction strategies, so basically a lambda calculus expression could have a bunch of different function calls. I mean, when you, in lambda calculus, a function calls, you have a lambda abstraction, like lambda x, whatever, applied to an argument. So intuitively, from a programming perspective, it's just a function call. You have these function calls sprinkled all over your code. And in lambda calculus, unlike in you know, regular functional programming, you might, it's perfectly acceptable to execute these function calls in, under the, underneath the lambda. So like before your function's even called, it might have some embedded calls on, inside it, and you can execute those. So that already kind of gives you a form of non-determinism. Should I um, execute some redex that's in redex stands for reducible expression, and it's uh, it's one of these lambda abstractions applied to an argument. Should I reduce a redex inside some other lambda abstraction, or should I reduce some different one? You have choices of what which redex you might want to do next. And programming languages pick a reduction order, pick some some reduction semantics for which one to do next, so they are generally deterministic. But in type theory, people have often like to keep this more flexible and not to pin not pin down a reduction order. And uh, yeah, there are some good reasons for that, uh, which we could talk about. But anyhow, so we're talking about normalization or termination properties in type theory particularly. Last time we talked a little bit about, yes, if we're doing strong functional programming, which I personally am trying to resuscitate uh, as a research uh, direction, then we also want to do termination checking of our programs or normalization checking. Uh, since, since again, there we're think, definitely thinking of these as programs with a deterministic reduction strategy. And so, normal, when you have, when there's no non-determinism, normalization and termination are the same property. Uh, because there's only one, only one uh, reduction you could possibly do at any given point. At most one. You might have a normal form, of course. So anyway, uh, <coughs> So, um, yeah, one point I wanted to make in this episode today about, so we were talking about normalization and termination, and one point I wanted to make, last time we were talking about the fact that if you have the Curry-Howard isomorphism, you really, really, really need to have normalization for at least some part of your language, because otherwise, if every program expression you write, every term might diverge, then you can't have anything that's sound under the Curry-Howard isomorphism, because 
uh, diverging terms can have an you know arbitrary type. At least that's generally how it goes. Uh, so that you can inhabit any type means you know I could create a proof of false just by having an infinite loop. Okay, so we don't want that. So now, interestingly though, um, you know for Curry Howard, you you don't need termination. You don't need to know that every way of reducing some expression terminates. You just need to know there's some way. Because you just need to know that there's, if I'm trying to view some term as a proof, there just needs to be some sound execution of that that takes it down to normal form. Uh, it doesn't have to be that every execution does. So, so for that part of things, you generally just need normalization. Um, again, as, as I mentioned, there's a, another terminological, you know, another set of terminology where you speak about normalization as weak normalization and termination gets called strong normalization. Um, so, you know, both, both term, sets of terms are acceptable, but I prefer normalization and termination. Uh, anyway, so, uh, although I guess those really are more appealing from a sort of like rewriting perspective. From a programming perspective, when you talk about termination, you expect that just means the program terminates. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I still like normalization and termination a little better. But, um, so, you know, okay, so I was, as I was saying last time, so for Curry-Howard, just normalization is sufficient. You don't need termination. Now, there's another place in type theory where people have generally demanded that we have some normalization or termination property about our terms, and that is when it's time to do conversion checking. As I said last time, but just to review, uh, it, with dependent types, you have the possibility of having program expressions, having terms showing up inside your types. And if terms show up in your types, then when you're checking uh, type equivalents, like in the middle of doing some type checking step, in type checking your code, you may need to check the two types are equivalent. And if the types can contain terms, then you're forced to check whether those terms are equivalent. And we talked a little bit last time about like, what notion of equivalence do you want to use? The standard one used in type theory is beta equivalence or possibly beta eta equivalence. Um, you know, it, we didn't, not to dive into what is eta equivalence, if you're not familiar with that, just, it's not very important for this present discussion. Beta equivalence just means reducing, you know, these, these beta read x's, lambda x, something applied to an argument. We've got to reduce those by substituting the argument for the input variable x. Anyway, so usually in type theory, conversion has been taken to be beta equivalence, and you test conversion by... by a standard way to test them is simply normalize the two terms and see if you get an equivalent, you know, alpha equivalent normal, normal form. Alpha equivalent meaning exactly the same expression except possibly changing the names of some local variables, some bound variables. Uh, so, um, so if you don't have, uh, if you don't have uh, normalization, there's a possibility that this check where you're trying to normalize the two terms and see if they're equal could diverge. And so people have been quite worried and, and you know, many people out there would basically say your type theory design is garbage if you don't have a normalization property for terms in your types because otherwise the type checking problem becomes formally undecidable. You know, it becomes, you can prove then that uh, there is in general no algorithm that could possibly type check your program because that algorithm might be forced to go off and check beta equivalence of possibly diverging terms, which is um, something, you know, it's undecidable. You cannot write a, an algorithm that does that. So, but to me, this whole thing, and this is where I, I there are a few topics, you know, every once in a while on my podcast here, I'm going to rant about something and that I, I feel, you know, I have a strong opinion about. And this is one of them. 
I think that the insistence on normalizing terms or, or terminating terms, you know, sometimes people even demand termination because they say we want to have choices about how to reduce these terms. We don't want to have to follow a set strategy. There might be, we want to have the flexibility to use some different strategy um, uh, in, in reducing our terms when we're trying to check equivalence uh, in conversion checking. It's kind of, to me, that whole, this whole discussion is completely bogus. The difference between failure to normalize and failure to normalize in a reasonable amount of time is uh, there is no difference, pragmatically speaking, in a type system. And so, you know, all these, uh, ins- all this insistence that we have to have normalizing terms for conversion checking, to me, is really silly because if you're really serious about making sure that type checking was effectively decidable, like, decide- I mean, sure, if decidable in principle, that's very nice. That's a great theoretical result, and it is interesting. But in practice, you need not just to be decided. If you really cared about that, you would have to insist not just on decidability, but on feasible decidability. You know, it's not good enough to just know that in principle, this you could you could normalize terms. These type theories allow you to write terms whose computational complexity is is practically beyond human comprehension. I mean, it's it's really really complex. So you can very very easily write terms that would you know, normalize in a number of steps much greater than the number of atoms in the observable universe. I mean, it's trivial to do, almost trivial to do this. I mean, you could just write the Ackerman function for starters. I mean, that alone is already just so ridiculously expensive to compute. And so you could basically set up your type checking, um, you know, imagine writing this little program that just says, well, uh, I've got this function that, you know, needs to take in this value, and instead I've got this other function, and these, uh, you know, I've got something who's I've got sorry. I've got a function whose type says I need something like a vector of length blah, and the other one says I've got a vector of length different blah. Where these two things are some expressions involving calls to the Ackerman function and whatever else. Um, I mean, imagine. Okay, here you go. I can be more concrete. Imagine you just say this function says I want a vector of a's of length zero, and this other function says okay, I've got a vector of a's of length um, some big call to Ackerman's function minus the same big call to Ackerman's function. You know. Yeah, uh, with a particular values like ACK 4545 minus ACK 4545, which you can never possibly compute, you know, and so, um, so yeah, that's zero, and in principle you could compute that it's zero, but it, you certainly couldn't do that in any reasonable notion of practice, and so to me, you know, it's, I mean, there's two ways to look at this as from my from my perspective. One is you could say this whole insistence about normalization or feasible normalization, there are sort of, you know, the difference, as I said, between normalizing in principle and and normalizing, but, or, sorry, diverging or normalizing in an infeasible amount of time, the difference is, there is really no difference in practice, and so we should just accept that, and the plan should be that the user is just, the program is just going to hit control C, control C, and kill off some call to the type checker if something goes south. And that's that's a very pragmatic and reasonable attitude, in my opinion. And that's that's what we're doing in Sedil at the moment. So you could write, you could force Sedil's type checker to try to compare diverging terms or extremely, you know, long-running terms. Same difference, as I'm saying. And you know, if the type checker just goes away and doesn't come back, then you've just got to kill it and try to figure out what's going on and why it's taking so long. So that'd be sort of one attitude you could have towards this p- puzzle or this little problem. Now, I, 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 and I'm saying that that's like the definitely the easy way out, and it's what we're doing. It's the deal. But I could certainly see entertain a 
a more hardcore ver- uh, you know way of thinking about this problem and saying, no, no, you, somebody could say, no, no, Aaron, you are right. Uh, you know, diverging computation and infeasibly converging computation are equivalent, and we want to disallow both of them. You could say we're going to insist that the terms that could show up in types to check for conversion checking have to be poly time computable, or you know, computable in no more than you know n to the fourth time or something. I mean, hey, that's cool. You know, I respect that. I, I don't really, I definitely don't know how to set that up. Um, and I'm not really sure that that's super necessary, but the, you know, the one kind of setting where that could be necessary is say you're in some kind of like distributed setting, like some online setting where you're, you're going to be accepting terms and type checking them. And you're concerned about people, you know, mounting like DOS attacks, denial of service attacks on you by giving you terms that take too long to check. Well, you could just insist, you know, I'm not going to even try to, to check your term unless it's passed whatever preliminary tests are necessary to ensure polynomial time computation. You know, small constant, small exponent polynomial time computation. Like it has to take no more than six times n to the three steps <laughs> where n is your input size. And you know, in some applications, like now in the world of blockchain, um, you could imagine that that somebody might actually want to do something like that. Uh, so that, you know, that's cool. I, I could definitely see that. Um, for mainstream type theory, I mean, the pragmatic solution, you know, and it, you could say it, it's not just the solution of Sedil, it's the solution of all these other tools too. Agden, Koch, you can set up the same thing, like make the type checker go go compute some ridiculously slow, you know, uh, long-running function. And, you know, it's, the user, your program is going to sit there. It's not like Koch or Agden is going to come back and say, oh, you know, looks like this is going to, this, this computation is going to take too long. You can't check, in principle, you know, it's undecidable what the computational complexities of arbitrary terms are going to be. Uh, so it's not going to be able to just tell you, no, no, sorry, I, I, don't think I, should, I don't think I should do that. It's going to be too expensive. It's just going to go try to do it, and you've just got to kill it when it takes too long. So we're already in that world, you know, in these, in these tools. Um, anyway, that's kind of my rant. I, I, I think it's ridiculous that people insist on normalization. And, and I think I was, there was some interesting chat discussion on the Agda mailing list some time ago in which people actually echoed, I don't, I don't remember if people were using the same argument about infeasible computation, but basically people were saying, yeah, 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 we don't, this whole thing, there, maybe it was, they were there, they were talking about termination or also known as strong normalization, and we're just saying, yeah, we don't really need that, we don't really care about that. Even though it's, you'll find theoretical paper after theoretical paper that's addressing this for this or that language design. Because it is actually generally a bit harder to show um, termination than it is to show normalization. There's just like some extra work you have to do to show that all reduction sequences are going to reach normal form. You make the problem a little easier. You know, and as a type 3 designer, it's kind of like, yeah, I want to make the problem a little easier. <laughs> I mean, why, why should I bite off more than I need? I mean, you know, I don't want to go prove termination when I only need normalization. Um, that's definitely been my attitude. And, uh, yeah, if you're a theoretician and you just like to prove stuff, like, that's cool. But um, that's not, you know, for practical use, that's really not necessary. Um, okay. Well, anyway, uh, I'm at my destination. And thank you very much for listening. And, I've, you know, hit me up with questions by email. Uh, you can also see, if you're listening to this on a just a podcast um, app, which are, is great, I just want to make you aware that, on my webpage, my personal webpage, Aaron Stump at University of Iowa Computer Science, 
you'll find the a podcast episodes kind of organized by chapter. And I think if you're using a, a podcast player, podcast app, you're going to just see a big long list of 50 plus episodes. And so if you want to see them grouped by chapter, you can find that on my webpage. Um, so I just, I kind of realized that at some point that if you're just seeing a big list, you don't, I'm trying to mention what chapter it is in the episode, but if you want to see the list by chapter, you can find it on my webpage. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day wherever you are.